Hey, it's great to have you back again this week. My guest today on the show is Mark Young. Mark is the owner of Rational Games Inc. He's based in Berlin, but the company is based in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And it's a training and consulting company focused on the use of games and play to teach negotiation. It's quite an interesting story because Mark has, over the years, um, living in Germany, developed a team of people, a board, as also also a range of associates who train on his brand's behalf. And so today we talk about why negotiation, why games, why games can be used to teach particular topics, um, also the direction that the company's going, and his philosophy about what he'd like to do as he leaves at some point Rational Games, why he also contributes in terms of philanthropy and the kinds of programs he offers. And the reason that play actually is instrumental in terms of kinesthetic activities or helping people to learn uh, using creation and creativity to resolve conflict. Really fascinating episode today. Welcome to the show. This is the Training Business Podcast. Hey, and welcome to the trainingbusiness.com podcast. Every week, we bring you exciting news and interviews with training business experts and training business entrepreneurs from around the world. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. Here's your host, Mark Garrett Hayes. Hi, welcome to the show. As you know by now, this is the Training Business Podcast. This is the show for people who make a living from training, consulting, facilitating, coaching, mentoring. And my background is in some of those things. I've written a book on the subject of sales coaching, but I've also been a trainer and still am and have been for a number of years. And um, I've learned through talking to people on the show, there are a whole bunch of things that we can do to create better products, um, find better clients, uh, create programs which get better results. And so every single week without fail, every Thursday in fact, I have guests on the show to share their insights, inspiration and learning with you. And that's what the show is all about. If you've not yet subscribed, please click on follow or subscribe, depending on the platform of choice. And that gets you a free episode every single Thursday, which comes out, whether it's on Spotify or Apple or something else. Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you. You're right now in Germany, right? Uh, yes, I live in Berlin. Uh, I've been living here for 32 years. I came when the wall fell down, uh, seeking my fortune, and I'm still seeking. I am half German, half American, but my home is in Berlin. Right. So the reason we're talking, well, a couple of reasons. Um, I, I have a theme at the moment right now, which is the importance of using things like games to teach particular topics. And um, I've had people on the show before on that subject. I'm curious about, first of all, your story. You are the owner of a company called Rational Games Inc., which is based or incorporated in Massachusetts. Let's talk about Rational Games. How did you come to found that company? What does it do? And um, then we'll go into specifics. Um, just very briefly, um, we teach negotiation, but also leadership, storytelling, other topics using playful methods. So the title means rational means it's serious. We work with very senior people, famous people to some degree, um, and um, games because it's supposed to be fun. 
and we use games and we use you know all sorts of theatrical methods to teach. So the combination of serious and fun is what Rational Games is about. And our letters, as you can see from our logo, are a mix between normal letters and crazy letters. So that was our the the, the idea of our of our designer to to brand us like that. How many people in your company, your training company? Um, we have nine trainers. They're all freelance, so we really don't have any employees. It's mostly me. I founded it in 2001 uh, in Cambridge, um, and but we have nine trainers, and we all work together on various gigs uh, all over the world, really 38 countries by now. So we are I have a global reach. And you just come back from South Africa there. That's true, last week. Yeah. What made you found Rational Games? Um, I think I was in the middle, I was doing my PhD at, um, in Germany with a year at Harvard, and I it's about negotiation, but it is from a philosophical place. It was a PhD in philosophy. So I was interested in you know the the mechanics of negotiation, but mostly in the in the in the philosophy, the background. It's you know what what motivates people, what makes people act a certain way, uh, what makes people rational, whatever that means. Um, and so that interested me a lot. And when I finished my PhD, I, I had taken a sabbatical. I was a partner at Press Waterhouse Corporate Finance, and I had taken a sabbatical to do that. But when I finished the sabbatical, um, I really thought I want to be independent. I want to do something new. Um, and I thought, what is my passion? Uh, and the passion is certainly uh, teaching. I, I've been teaching all my life um, and negotiation. I'd been a trade negotiator for the U.S. government in, years ago. Um, and I really love the, the dynamics of negotiation. And I thought, well, if you combine philosophy with negotiation and you offer it to business people, it's highly relevant and it is fun and uh, it makes a difference. And I'm always interested in the place where philosophy meets the real world, where where ideas in philosophy um, can be applied in a way that, that changes people's lives. So that's what we did. We, we started this very small, uh, and, uh, and it's grown quite a bit since then. Um, and we work, as I say, with, with diplomats. We work in the German Foreign Service. We work with senior executives. We work with politicians um, and sometimes other groups. Um, but uh, it's all, anybody that wants to learn how to negotiate better in a playful way. What was it like moving from a person of, or a company of one to now a point where you have a board of people, you have uh, board members, a treasurer, and then growing it to a team of associates and uh, your associates are on the site. You've got uh, people like Catherine and Jan and mm -hmm. Joanna, Felix and so on. What was that uh, in your head, that, that realization is more than me, I can build a team and, and a board to grow something substantial? That's actually I, the, the main thing that occupies me these days as I get a little older and have to think about when this will end for me. Um, but the thing I'm proudest of, I and mean, we've done a lot of things. We, we built a good client base. Um, we have really interesting, large, prestigious clients. Um, we have, I think, a good pedagogy that we've developed. Um, we have, um, uh, we're a social business, so we've, we've given away a fair amount of money to, to projects that use games and play to resolve conflict. I'm proud of all of that. But I think the proudest is of the team. We have a fantastic team that I've sort of found along the way. Uh, people that were in courses or that approached me or that I met here or there. And for some, in some way, we've, we blended into a really fabulous little family and we work very well together. And my main concern is to get this away from me. It's not Mark Young teaching over and over, but it's 
anybody. And we have had some, and I said at first, that's not, I said two things. I said, it's not possible for other people to teach this. Everybody wants me, which isn't true um, because I've learned that they, I do, they do very well without me, which I'm not sure what to think of that, but that is what it is. And the other thing I said is you can't possibly do this online um, because um, negotiation requires physical presence. And of course, when the pandemic hit, we learned very quickly how to do this online. So those are two assumptions, and we teach, you know, exploding assumptions. Those are two assumptions that were not true. But I'm very proud of the team and the diversity and the and the energy and the creativity that we have. Um, and so that is, I think, our greatest asset right now. How hard was it to let go of those assumptions and um, almost trust your business to other people? Um, the way I feel now, not so hard. I've sort of learned... Um, you know, I have a spiritual practice and it's all about letting go of things. Um, and I have learned um, that um, you can do that. And, um, you know, um, and so trusting people and letting them shine, I think, is the fundamental idea of, of, of leadership in our firm, at least. Um, someone, I think Simon Sinek um, posted something about six months ago, which I really spoke to me. He talks about two theories of leadership. One is the tugboat leadership, which is a little boat dragging a big boat, trying to get them to go in a certain direction, which is a lot of stress. And the other is the lighthouse, someone that is just a lighthouse and and, and exudes light and everybody figures out what they're going to do. And that's how we operate. We're, we're very loose. We're very entrepreneurial. We, everyone is very different. And I see my role as letting them shine, letting them do their thing. And we've done pretty well with that. With one or two very, very unusual exceptions, um, everything has gone pretty well. So I feel very fortunate. When we think about, um, you mentioned exit. Let me ask you about that briefly. Mm -hmm. um, it, it may not be age-related, but at some point we all would like to think that we're not doing something forever. We all love training. That's why we listen to the show. It's why people um, give me feedback and they say, this is fantastic. It helps me to clarify in my mind what I do, who I do it for, how to add value. What does the exit look like for you and how will you know when that time is right? We're having um, quite a discussion in our board about that. And we're picking up again on Simon Sinek, his new book, The Infinite Game, um, which is built on a philosophy book from the 70s called I Find That in Infinite Games, which uh, which which says that, you know, life is a game. We, we believe that thoroughly, but there are finite games and infinite games. And finite games are games that have a beginning and an end um, where there are rules and where you have to win and the other one has to lose. Uh, and most of our games are like that. Sports are like that. Um, a lot of competition in business is like that. Um, but that's what many people are engaged in. And the, the great, the great um, inspiration for us is to play an infinite game. And an infinite game is a game that doesn't start or end. It just keeps going. It doesn't really have a winner and a loser. Um, and you play it for the joy of playing. You just enjoy and you keep going and you, and you be innovative and you try to make it fresh so that it always goes on. And so that's a very compelling idea, I think. Then he, in his book, he goes into various companies and how they managed to do that or didn't. And we're wondering how to make our business an infinite game. Um, I'm 65. Uh, I don't, I, I'm in good health. I have no intention of retiring right now. I feel great, but you know, nature is what it is. Um, so what would happen if I didn't do this? And it's still heavily based on me. I'm afraid uh, not as much as it was, but, but we're trying very hard to, to, to showcase our trainers, to, to, to groom them to, uh, to, and I, we have 
we have ideas on how we're going to restructure ourselves in in a few years. And one thing we want to do is uh, we have actually two sides of our business. One is the coaching, training, consulting side. We teach negotiation in seminars, on Zoom. We do consulting. We do all that stuff. Um, and then we have a, a social business. We are a 501c3 uh, nonprofit in the United States and in Germany because we set aside a large portion of the work we do or the, the money we earn to support projects that use games and play to resolve conflict. It's kind of a Robin Hood idea. We're using games and play to teach senior people how to negotiate. And then we're turning around and using a lot of what we earn to support projects that do that in the nonprofit sector. Things like kids in Africa playing soccer together to get to know other tribes. We have an ice hockey project in Berlin for kids from the streets learning how to play ice hockey instead of knifing each other. Um, we do theater. We do dance. We, we work with musicians without borders. Um, anything that's playful, and we define that pretty liberally, uh, which is sports or culture or anything like that. Um, so that is, is nonprofit work. And we have given away with partners a million dollars. And I'm very, very proud of that as well. Um, but what we're, what we're thinking about doing now, and we're talking to our accountants about it, is splitting the company at some point and having a plain old dumb old for-profit consulting company run by one of our trainers. Um, and then having a foundation next to it that focuses on partnerships and donations and, and grantees. And I would move over to the, to the nonprofit side and somebody younger and, and more energetic would, would run rational games, um, after me. That's what we're hoping could happen in a year or two, but we'll see. So you mentioned the word games. Let's talk about that for a second. What, what does games, what does the word games mean to you in the context of training and development? Um, it started with game theory. Um, cause in my dissertation, I was, I was doing a lot with, with game theory, prisoners dilemmas, rationality, what, how do people behave? Very cognitive, very mathematical. Um, and that, I thought that was fascinating, the, to, to, to model conflict with numbers. Um, but since then, it's moved way out of the cognitive sphere and into the more playful sphere. So games is anything where people are absorbed in an activity and where there's a goal and where they enjoy the process. Uh, and we do all sorts of things. We, we do game theory. We, we, we have some games that are based on game theory, but we also do a lot of improvisational theater. Um, we do, we bring in professional actors by surprise uh, and do role plays with them. Um, we do simulations. Um, we, uh, you know, we do lots of little things, little exercises that are playful. Um, but, but the idea is not much PowerPoint, not much, you know, frontal, um, uh, uh lecturing, uh, but lots of it's experiential. It's having people. We, I, I did a course in Hamburg just two days ago and we start by putting blindfolds on people and telling them to draw, draw silly pictures. Um, to, and one is leading and one is following. Um, so things like that 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 that, that are that people feel in, physically, uh, and and then afterwards we reflect and think about what what's relevant. But it's 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 really experiential kinesthetic learning, and you do that very well through games. Games are very very powerful, and I did a TEDx on this um, a few years ago, which is somewhere online. Um, the most stressful experience of my life, um, but um, and it was called the urge to play is greater than the urge to fight. 
because I really believe that the urge to play is is universal. It's deep in all of us, you know, from when you're a child uh, all the way to senior citizens playing bingo. Um, it is very, very deep. It's, and I think it's deeper than the urge to fight, which we're seeing now in, in, in Gaza. And, and one of my life goals, such as it is, is to harness that urge to play and try to, and try to overcome the urge to fight. So it's, it's a bit of a, we have a philanthropic game. Um, but, but people love to play. I've seen it. You know, you know, if you, as soon as you let go of the PowerPoint and let them do things and play, you know, the, the room lights up. And I'm talking about senior bureaucrats in Germany who aren't very playful. <laughs> and uh, I've, I've worked in places like Kazakhstan and, and China, and, and it always works. People like playing. Um, and they and they learn a lot more because it's it goes much deeper into the into them to the inner experience as we call it than than any kind of cognitive training. So we do it because it works. We do it because it's a lot of fun, and clients love it. They want to have it. How do you measure the success of the games? So, for example, how do you measure the success of games so that um, you can say conclusively this version of this training without a game? gives us these results. Whereas when we use a game or an app, you've developed apps, um, that has a different result. We can conclusively say a training, some kind of um, workshop is better off with a game than without. That's the central question in philanthropy. If you're giving money, how do you measure the impact? How do you make sure it actually makes a difference? We do a fair amount of that on that side of the business. Um, we work with, we do pre and post questionnaires and we, and we try to measure how many people have, have, have had this and, 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 and is there behavioral change? And we're reasonably good at that on that side of the house. We haven't been as formal on, on the other side of the house. Um, I see faces light up. I see, I, you know, I, I watch a group of 12 between three days and, and how they are at the end and the beginning. I can tell you that there is a change. Um, whether that means they negotiate better is anecdotal. We get stories. I get lots of emails from people that say, I just tried this and we're having an acquisition and I tried to be playful about it and it really worked. And we say, they say things like we saved $20 million or whatever it is, but that's anecdotal. It's not scientific evidence, but it's enough for me to, to be convinced that what we're doing is, is relevant. Um, and there are probably better methods. And that's maybe one thing to work on is, how to measure your success as a trainer, not just in my field, but whatever you're training, how do you measure whether you're reaching people, whether whether it makes a difference? Because that's why we do all this. We all want to make a difference. And I guess that um, one of the, the proof metrics is that people keep coming back. They want to work with rational games because um, of the experience that people have when entrusted to you. And we have very, we have quite a client list and they're mostly very long-term clients. You know, I, I sometimes say that our business is almost like an audit business because I can tell you in January, it's client A in the middle of the month. In February, it's client B and C. Um, then I have the trip to D and then in E, I'm going to see client F. Um, it's a pretty regular business. We are, the, the base load of what we do is 60, 70%, always same clients every year, same time of year in programs that rotate because a lot of them are academic programs where they bring in new cohorts and we teach the next cohort. And then we have others on top that come and go. Um, but um, it's a pretty stable business and they keep coming back and the reviews are usually very strong. Once or twice you miss it, but that's that's what keeps us, you know, sharp. 
Um, but mostly it's uh, excellent reviews, lots of feedback. People are happy. And so we keep going. Things have changed since COVID. And uh, in some respects, that change is still going. You've now got apps. Now, arguably apps weren't a thing 10, 15 years ago. Well, in some form they were, but now they're really part and parcel of many companies' offerings when it comes to training and coaching and mentoring. Tell me about your thinking behind Negotiate, which was your first app for iPad. And you've a game there about, um, if I read this correctly, uh, a privatization facilitator in negotiation with a French investor. Tell me about how you, first of all, were inspired to create an app and then how you went about doing that. Well, like so many things, you know, we sort of stumble along and something sounds good and we think, ah, oh, that's a trend, we should try that. So that's how it was with apps. We didn't really know what they were. Um, and, you know, I'm not a techie. So um, we stumbled into it, but we had this feeling that it would be important. You've actually um, hit on a sore subject because it wasn't a success commercially at all. Um, and I learned since then that very few people make money with apps. Most of it is 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 for free. And if you try to get money, it doesn't work. And it's still online, I think, in both the Apple Store and in Google Play. Um, but it, it isn't a big hit. Um, I like it. I thought it was good. It's a little wordy, maybe, a little too much text, um, and not very modern anymore. So it's, I think the first time we, it was based on, on Flash, and and um, wow. so we've kind of moved. It's still there. Um, but we do other things that are that are experiential, and we learned, especially in in the in the field of Zoom. Um, you know, driven by the pandemic, we've come up with very innovative ways to to teach online, um, uh, to coach online. Um, we'd use all sorts of techniques there that that go beyond the classic webinar stuff. That's I think where we've made more progress. Um, and then in the classroom, we we do hybrid things. We uh, we try to be modern. We we try to come up with these ideas, but I don't know. I mean, I have a few things that we do that we could easily make an app out of, and they might be more successful. It's it's a big investment. I think it cost us close to thirty thousand to create that app, and it didn't. There was no return. So I mean, as a good businessman, I can't justify doing that again so soon. It was a great developer. They were in Brooklyn. Very very hip people. Very smart. Um, I went there twice and went through it all with them. And I think we did everything we could do. But this was eh, 12, 13, 14 years ago. So that, you know, it was a young industry then. So we learned along the way and uh, we moved on. If we look to the future then, how do you think you will shape rational games to meet the needs of the uh, middle of the 21st century? Apps aside. What is the direction of rational games so that when you step off, step away, mm -hmm. uh, there's a clear path for the next evolution of rational games? That's a very big question, and I wouldn't really presume to see myself in that role. Mm -hmm. But from where I sit, um, and with my background and the things I can contribute, I think the most important thing for us when we have when we have participants and, and students is to teach them that it can be fun. That negotiation is a game, as we always say. It's it's not stress. Many people come into the seminars afraid of it, thinking it's going to be difficult and stressful. And if we can take that fear away and show them that we also use the metaphor of dance quite a lot, that negotiation is a dance, that you make moves and they make moves and you connect with them and you have fun in the process. And, and that's very different from trying to defeat people. Um, and if we can 
plant that philosophy among our graduate uh, attendees and also our grantees, that's a pretty good legacy, I think. Um, how far it goes, how long it goes, nothing is forever. Um, but if we can make an imprint with thinking like that, because I think it goes way beyond negotiation. It goes about how you want to live your life. Uh, so we talk about, you know, cooperation and playfulness and that if you can behave that way and demonstrate that, that um, that will change the world in a very small way. Mark, where can people find out more about uh, Rational Games and you? www.rationalgames.com. You'll see most everything. We do a monthly blog on various topics. Um, then we uh, we have some videos. We have materials. So check that out. And you can learn what we do. I did a TEDx just before the pandemic uh, called The Urge to Play is Greater Than The Urge to Fight. That's on TED and also on if you just Google it, you'll, it'll come up. Technically not the greatest uh, thing. It was to run by students and they did not use the camera. So I'll point to something up here and you won't see what I'm pointing at because I don't have it in the in the camera. Um, so, but the content is there and you can really get a much better idea of what we do um, than what I've said here. Mark, thank you so much for being my guest today on the show. Nice to talk with you. Thanks. My sincere thanks to Mark for being my guest today on the show. Mark, as I said, is the owner of Rational Games, and you can find Rational Games online by visiting rationalgames.com, and you'll find all about the company, uh, the team, his associates, the board, um, the kinds of programs that he offers through experiential learning, and also some publications. And Mark also mentioned a TEDx video, which he has recorded. Now, all of these links will provide and you'll find them over at www.trainingbusiness.com. If you have any questions or suggestions for guests like Mark, then please let me know. You can reach me anytime. My email address, as always, is mark at trainingbusiness.com. That's it for this week's episode of the show. Love to have you back again next Thursday. Until then, keep going. Speak to you soon. once more for listening to this episode of the trainingbusiness.com podcast. See you next time.